Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast. I am your host today, Will Gottlieb. You can find me on Twitter at Will underscore Gottlieb. And I'm joined by my good friend, one of the people who I really look up to covering the Bulls on the beat, Darnell Mayberry of The Athletic. And we have a lot to talk to everybody about today, but Darnell first, how's it going? How are things? Are you uh, hanging in there? Never better? Never better, Will. You know what I was going to say. I was going to wait to see if you said it, but just kind of inside joke here on the beat is that in, uh, you know, before we get let into practice every day to talk to the players, we all kind of hang out in the media workroom and Darnell has timed it perfectly to where he walks in like two minutes before the doors open while everybody else is like waiting for an hour for PR to let uh, the media in. So he walks in and he, he always just says, ladies, gentlemen, and then, I ask him how he's doing and he says, never better. So there you have it. Never better. Um, but Darnell, you uh, you wrote something the other day that made a little bit of noise. So I wanted to get you on here to talk about it and just kind of assess the uh, state of things for the Chicago Bulls. Um, so I'm just going to read the passage from an article, a mailbag that you did the other day. But please go check out the full thing at theathletic.com. Um, ton of really good insights. But basically, this was just to add some context, um, a conversation that you had off the record with uh, an executive for the Bulls right after the trade deadline. And so Darnell writes, I had a casual conversation with a high ranking Chicago Bulls executive shortly after the trade deadline. We didn't agree on the direction of the franchise. The Bulls stood pat at the deadline for the third straight season. They did nothing despite substantial evidence that their injury plagued roster isn't close to contending at a high level and likely won't be anytime soon. My point of contention was the front office punted on a pass offered happily by the team's fans, a rebuild quote, your fans, the executive countered initially. I didn't get it. I don't have fans. People read me at the athletic and follow me on social media, mostly because they're bulls fans. I thought the executive was trying to be snarky. It felt like an attempt to downplay our subscribers and passionate followers of the team on social media, but the comment wasn't made to downplay anyone. It was delivered to emphasize the difference. The bulls fans, the executive was referencing, our paying customers, my fans by and large, aren't the segment that fills the United Center on cold Chicago winter nights. That exchange, albeit brief, provided tremendous insight 
into the minds that make up the Bulls management. And Darnell, this uh, definitely caught some some steam on social media. I had a lot of Bulls fans talking about it. Um, just kind of what's the context here? What can you tell us about that conversation? And um, what did you make of it when you were writing it? Why, why did you decide that was such an important piece to add to the story? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, um, Will, is that the Chicago Bulls fans are trying to figure out what's going on with this franchise and why are they so hell-bent on sticking with this continuity theme and running it back for a third straight season. And I just wrote an article you know, this week about how it's probably likely that they're going to run it back. I think it was in that mailbag for a fourth straight season. Uh, that was a great line. Like the the four Pete, no Bulls fan ever asked for yeah. us. That was amazing. Yeah, like I mean, it's, it's likely that they're going to resign Demar Derozan. Uh, Zach Levine probably won't be traded. Um, you know, Vucevic just is in the first year of his resign deal. So this thing is probably going to look a lot. Uh, it's going to look very similar next season, and and I think fans are really frustrated with that. And my goal ahead of the deadline, at the deadline, and after the deadline was to figure out why, <laughs> you know, to basically answer questions on why the Chicago Bulls have decided to stand pat. I've got those questions on podcasts, on radio interviews, on television interviews, uh, in mailbags. And so when I have a chance to speak with the front office or management team, members of the management team, uh, you know, my goal is to try to get answers that readers, fans are asking questions to. And the biggest question right now, Will, this month, as you know, is why did they stand pat? And so my goal was to, to try to answer that question. And once I heard that line, to me, it just clicked that, you know, it, this is sort of the, the thinking uh, with the Chicago Bulls. But also, I would say that what I didn't write is that, and I think fans reacted negatively to it, Will, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but what I got from the executive was that they didn't feel, they don't feel like the fans that go, go to the United Center are willing to put, put up with a rebuild, that they don't feel like that they will show up, pay their money, come out, buy merchandise, buy concessions, pay for parking, tickets, all of that if this team decides to tear it down and go in a different direction. And so uh, whether we agree with that or disagree with that, that is what I got from the conversation and my interpretation of it. And so that's what I tried to deliver. Yeah. I mean, you said a tremendous insight into the minds that make up the Bulls management. Um, I think this kind of conversation we've had too is like, it's easy for us to sit here and say, we hear people on Twitter talking about how they want to rebuild. We, you know, from our standpoint, think it's an easy decision recognizing the state of things and how much of a ceiling this group has to kind of tear it down. And they've been in a position this year where you've got a couple of young players that we're going to talk about in a bit here, Kobe and I in particular, who have really stepped forward to where you kind of have the foundation that you need that you would hope to get out of a rebuild. And now you're just trying to develop them and put the right pieces around them. Um, but there is a lot more that goes to it. And, you know, you were joking with me the other night about like, I was looking at the three point percentage or the, the lack of, uh, or the difference in three point attempts from the Celtics to the bulls after the game the other night. And you said, look at the top right corner of the box score sheet, the attendance number. And it's true. And I think, you know, one of the, one of the things that people have kind of started to talk about here is like, this is not to discourage 
Bulls fans from showing up and buying tickets. It's not to tell them not to be fans or that they need to be fans a certain way. But I think that's just kind of the reality of the situation is that that, that ticket revenue, gate sales, all the stuff that you're talking about, merch, parking, beer, that all counts towards the bottom line. And it's a much bigger equation than, you know, from just a basketball standpoint. Um, and that's just an unfortunate reality of it because kind of my next question is like, you know, you started by saying this thing that you didn't agree with the direction of the franchise. Like what's your kind of take on where this thing is heading and um, what just what you've seen from the team this year on the whole? Yeah, well, you know, because we sit next to each other on many nights at the United Center, you know, a lot of my thoughts privately on this, but, uh, you know, I'll share it on your podcast. It, I thought they should have blown this thing up, you know, at least a year ago, a season ago. Um, you know, I don't see the point in retaining DeMar DeRozan. Uh, I didn't see the point in re-signing Nikola Vucevic, especially when you've got Andre Drummond, totally different player, but uh, at times equally productive and you can live with him. And, you know, why commit $20 million to Vooch uh, to only be stuck in mediocrity? So what they're achieving or trying to achieve is just what I wholeheartedly disagree with. And that's uh, just chasing a chance to get into the playoffs and a chance to advance. It's like, where's the bar? You're not setting the bar very high and it's changed since they first got here uh, from championship contention to just making the play in and, and hoping for the best. So that that's my biggest contention with what we're seeing in terms of how this roster is being built. You don't see a long-term vision. Uh, you don't see strategic planning taking place. You just see, uh, you know, continuity and, and hoping for the best from, from one day to the next one season to the next. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally with you there. I think, you know, from, from my perspective, I have started to come around a little bit on the idea that like there's value in having DeMar around to help Kobe, you know, create easier offense for him. Like you saw last night in that game, DeMar was able to draw two to the ball and that set IO up on a couple of threes that set Kobe up on some positions. But I think sort of this idea that they're not necessarily prioritizing assets and, and not like trying to build towards a future, even when you have some of those pieces, I think is, pretty concerning. And I agree, like the, the creativity and the vision, the, the bigger picture stuff just does not really strike me that that's a focus of theirs. Um, even if they do have a plan to, to, you know, address some of those things. Um, do you feel like they kind of have a plan? I mean, I don't, I don't want to like put it too harshly that they're like just moving, you know, running around with their heads cut off like chickens or whatever, but like, do you feel like they kind of have a plan to get this thing out of the middle? Like maybe their plan is to just keep selling tickets, but at the same time, I feel like you can still try to build toward, you know, a better basketball team that has a ceiling beyond getting swept against the Celtics in the first round. No, I mean, I don't think they have a plan. And if you look at the, their track record, I mean, what evidence points you to, to believe that they have a plan? I mean, Lonzo Ball goes down two years ago and there is yet to be a pivot. And I can't, think of any other really front office that would just be okay with waiting for two seasons uh, for something to shake, shake loose. And that's clearly not happening. Uh, and I understand trying to, you know, develop guys like Kobe White and Patrick Williams and Ayo DeSumo, um, Dalen Terry to a degree, Julian Phillips to a degree this season. But 
Um, you know, that hasn't happened and, and that hasn't even been consistent with their moves. I mean, they go out and they sign a Goran Dragic. They go out and they sign a Javon Carter. Those moves are direct, are in direct competition with the development of a Kobe White or an Ayo DeSumo. So I can't even give them credit for, uh, give me half of that, by the way, from Bronx. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Money talks. You know? Money talks. Um, no, but I can't give them credit for for lucking into the the development of Kobe White or Ayo DeSumo. They just tried to sign guys ahead of them in Javon Carter and, and, and Goran Dragic. So that doesn't even add up. So I don't think that this is a plan. I think that there are they are trying to make very marginal improvements and hoping that that makes the team better. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point about bringing in guys ahead of them. Um, and I think they've gotten a lot of credit for, you know, signing IO on a pretty what, what's looking like it's going to be a very team friendly deal. Same for Kobe. Um, those guys have really exploded beyond what kind of we thought they were. But at the same time, they've the Bulls brought in guys to to be ahead of them. And so, you know, I, I wanted to maybe spend some more time on this, but I think the idea that you know, they are kind of starting to, whether it's due to these injuries or just the state of, you know, Zach being out and things kind of moving more towards Kobe and Io, like they are kind of helping those guys develop. But I wonder if that's just, you know, because of the injuries or because that's like what's actually best for the long-term health of the organization. Um, but I still can't shake the fact that like every other move that they made has not really prioritized that. And so, it's hard to really give them a ton of credit for that when they also have to, you know, grapple with the fact that they have some of the worst contracts in the league on their books as well, that they have to kind of offset with Kobe and IO's money now. So it's just a tricky spot to be in. And I don't really have much faith that they have a plan to get themselves out of it. And maybe they don't, but uh, you know, I just, I don't know how, how long I would be willing to, kind of sit there and, and waiting for things to materialize, recognizing that they haven't so far. Yeah, and I was told at the start of the season uh, by another high-ranking Bulls front office member that they do have a plan. But what is it? You know, uh, now we see Lonzo, uh, Lonzo's been out. Now we see Zach Levine out. Um, you know, Patrick Williams is out. At what point do you pivot? I mean, these these things all happened before the trade deadline, and they still didn't make a move to try to improve the team. And that that's the point where people like us and the media and fans use words like malpractice, because when you see obvious needs for your roster, obvious needs for the guys who are going out there, and I almost wrote this today for tomorrow, Will, like we can't blame the players. They are going out there and playing their hearts out. And games like last night in New Orleans make this team, like make these guys easy to root for, fun to watch at times when they decide to play like that. Um, but it's no fault of their own that they are ill-fitting pieces, that they are an incomplete roster, and that uh, they need a lot of help in, in areas that the front office just refuses to address or, or you know, haven't, I would say, more than refuse. So uh, that's the biggest thing for me is that these guys are going out there and doing everything they can. They're still competitive. And, and coming up with the occasional win uh, when you don't think that they should. But, you know, what good is that if you're just going out there and, and killing yourself every night to get regular season wins in February? Yeah, they're, they're spinning their wheels. And I think they're kind of doing it in spite of what front office has done. I mean, they're, they're, 
like you said, Billy's doing the best he can with the guys that he has available to him. He's playing a bunch of guards because there are no forwards on the roster. He's developed Kobe and Io because guys like Zach have been out. Um, you know, he's helped Damar kind of transform his game to be able to help some of those guys. Uh, and all that stuff is like happening, I think, in spite of the fact that front office is not really giving them uh, any real weapons, any real tools to work with here. And uh, football CF Candy asks in, in the comments here, uh, Will Darnell, can you clarify the comment on your mailbag with the anonymous exec? Were you implying that the Bulls don't want to go full rebuild and change because of the ticket sales? Uh, they led the league last year. Um, I mean, I think that's pretty much exactly what it is. Like th that is always going to be kind of in the back of their mind when they're making big decision, big decisions. And I think you kind of touched on this in the mailbag too, but like, you know, AK said that that ownership was going to support him in a rebuild if they felt like that that was the direction that the franchise should go. Um, but maybe that's not true, or maybe you know they just aren't confident in their ability to pull one off, um, and eventually feel like that's going to end up just kind of crumbling, and maybe they won't be around to see the end of it. Is that kind of your take as well? Yeah, I mean, so. I don't think it's just a matter of ticket sales. I think that's the vast majority of it. Um, but I, I do believe that from what I gathered, my interpretation of it is that management feels like Bulls fans who come to the arena need a competitive product to show up. And I don't agree with that. Um, you know, I think there's some data right now on the Blackhawks, for example. I mean, you get a prospect in there. Um, who is capable of moving the needle and drawing interest from a high draft pick that you will get from being bad, then people will show up and have hope to cling to when you're building uh, for your future. And so I don't think that the front office is in tune with what the fans really want, but that's easy for me to say. I'm not in that position. I'm not sitting in their seats um, and I don't have the pressures that the, none of us have the pressures that they have. So, um, you know, it's easy for us to say, blow it up. But then if you're in control or you're in charge of that decision and then the fans stop showing up because they won't tolerate a 20 win season, then that's your job on the line. And that's that's the difficult pot, spot that I think Bulls management um feels like they're in. And even though you're chasing mediocrity and chasing a play in as the alternative, you know, we know that a lot of fans don't want that, but will we see these families, these couples, these friends going out to the United center every other night or whenever there's a home game and they're having the time of their lives. So from a business standpoint, you have to give the Bulls credit for putting out an entertaining, entertaining product that people actually want to come and see and be a part of. But from a basketball standpoint, that is the part where so many of us have an issue in saying, what is the plan? How are you going to get to championship contention? Those two things are completely separate. But where I think they align for the Bulls front office is as long as those people are showing up and having the time of their lives, the Bulls front office is doing something right. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly what it is. But to me, like you can still build a competitive team that makes the fans happy that there's a reason to show up. Um, 
while also making moves that are kind of geared towards the future. Like Andre Drummond still being on the team. I've loved covering Andre. He's had some great moments with his team, but like you're telling me you can't do more with two or maybe three second round picks than Drummond, who's going to be a expiring contract, who's not going to probably be on the team next year. Um, same with Caruso, like for as great as he's been, and probably no one has been leading the Caruso charge more than I have uh, as far as like his impact on winning. Like he's potentially not going to be around after next year. He's, you know, making a seal of a contract that teams are willing to really pay up for. Um, but is trading him really going to make the bottom fall out when you've got teams like the Hawks who just lost Trey Young are going nowhere. The Nets are going nowhere. The Raptors just made moves geared towards the future where they're not really heading, you know, in a much better direction. So I, I feel like you could have done both things. Um, I don't know if that's, true or like how realistic that is. But I just feel like at a certain point, this is going to kind of come to head. I think that is already happened and is going to continue to happen this summer as uh, things with Zach heats up uh, on the trade market. And we'll talk more about him. Uh, But first, let's take a quick break to tell everybody about some of our sponsors. And we're going to start with Monster Jam, a new one. And that is the most unexpected, the most unscripted and unforgettable motorsports experience for families and fans in the world today. And it returns to Chicagoland for an adrenaline charge weekend at the Allstate Arena from March 1st to 3rd, 2024. That is this weekend. World's best drivers show off crazy skills and all-out racing in fierce head-to-head battles for the event championship. Engineered to perfection, the 12,000-pound Monster Jam trucks push all limits in freestyle skills, donuts, and racing competitions. And the Arena Series West Champion will receive a highly coveted automatic bid to the prestigious Monster Jam World Finals to compete for the title of World Champion. So see the world-class athletes in action performing the craziest stunts in motorsports. Experience big-time family fun at the Monster Jam. It's unexpected, unscripted, unforgettable, this Monster Jam. See it live at Allstate Arena from March 1st to 3rd this weekend. Link for the uh, Link for tickets in the description. And maybe when you're there, maybe you're not there and you're just at your home watching maybe the Knicks tonight or the Raptors, whatever it may be, you can grab a nice cold Coors Light because that is the best beer to help you find your moments of chill all year long, even when your team is stressing you out. It's the greatest, coldest, freshest beer, and they are one of our favorite sponsors here at CHGO, one of our new sponsors, and they have the iconic mountains turning blue on their can to tell you that the beer is as cold as the Rockies. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged for a f- smoother finish. And so you know when it's time to chill, you grab a Coors Light because that's the beer I reach for. Get yourself a Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash basketball. That's right. You can get it delivered straight to your door with Instacart, CoorsLight.com slash basketball. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, Darnell, uh, let's maybe transition into um, any other kind of thoughts that you had, uh, I think particularly coming out of the post-trade deadline media availability that we had with uh, AK, one of the few times we get to talk to him this year. I'm just going to kind of open it up. Any like takeaways that you had from that, aside from obviously the fact that they didn't make any trades and um you know, the word competitive was thrown around quite a bit. Kind of what did you make of that? You, you mentioned the bar being lowered. What, what was your kind of overall thoughts about that? Any maybe key details that stuck out to you? No, oh, it was ridiculous was my thoughts. Will <laughs> Like, you don't, 
concern yourself as a front office, as a chief basketball executive about being competitive uh, in the regular season, you know, in December or January or February. I mean, that's that's great, but that's not the goal. That shouldn't be the goal, um, especially for a marquee franchise in the third largest city in the country, in the Chicago Bulls. So uh, with six championship banners hanging up. So and I know a lot of people who you know, you know, former players and 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 people with the team around the team are just fed up with how the bar has been lowered because they they do look at those six championship banners and the rafters and feel like they mean a whole lot. And when you lower the bar, that takes so much away from what this franchise represents. And so, um, you know, talking about being competitive against the Memphis Grizzlies in February just makes no sense when the goal should be to <laughs> compete for a championship. Hang on. Yeah, and even, even like beyond competing for championships, I think a lot of people are like, well, let's like compete for the second round of the playoffs. When you have a ceiling of maybe getting into the first round and then like we, we watched it. I think a lot of people wrote it after the game, you know, they're going to face the Celtics in the first round if they can win two playing games and they're going to probably get killed because the Celtics are really, really good. And so, yeah, I think when you're kind of building towards that and disguising it as competitive, um, I think it kind of re reinforces this idea that like the ticket sales are more important than the basketball product. And I think that's really, you know, the the crux of it and why people were, you know, frustrated to, to read that you wrote that, but obviously really appreciate the insight because um, I think at times like basketball can be secondary and um, I don't know, like I said, I think there are ways that you can kind of build around that and be successful, even with that being the driving force. Um, but the lack of creativity, the lack of foresight, the lack of future oriented moves and the opportunities to build something, I think are now largely gone because you've got Zach Levine, who's, you know, was not, they weren't able to trade Zach when he was healthy and now he's had another surgery. Um, you know, DeMar's going to be a free agent and you're kind of trending towards re-signing him, um, to where, you know, he's going to look like more like a Vooch type of contract as far as like not being tradable compared to being on a restricted or, uh, uh expiring contract. And then obviously Drummond's probably leaving. Caruso is going to be at the end of his deal. So I just feel like it's kind of the, the missed opportunities. Um, and again, we'll, we'll never know specifically what was on the table, specifically what the, those conversations were in the front office. But um, I think my big takeaway from AK in that press conference was that, you know, it just doesn't really seem like those conversations are important. And to the people that are tuning in every day to our show that read you in your mailbag every time they drop, like that's what's important. And they're going to back them and they've already backed themselves into a corner, but it's only going to get worse in my opinion, because the, these moves that may seem very marginal that you mentioned, Will, you know, a couple second round picks for Andre Drummond, they add up, you know, it's not about the, the picks that you get for Drummond. It's about what you're then able to do with that, um, with those resources moving forward, maybe combining them and, 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 and acquiring something greater. Um, and, and it's like playing a game of chess instead of checkers. The Bulls are just playing checkers. And you're seeing teams like Utah and Boston and Oklahoma City. Like these, these teams are out there playing chess. And the Bulls are just, you know, letting guys, uh, you know, overpaying guys in free agency, 
potentially letting guys walk in free agency, um, you know, re-signing guys who, you know, aren't really impacting winning at a high level. And these are all the moves that you could be making. Instead, you could be trying to accumulate assets, uh, trying to build for your future, um, but they're chasing mediocrity. And I think it's only going to get worse um, when these contracts uh, have to be re-signed and they don't have any assets. They don't have any ability to trade them. They don't have any trade partners who want them and they don't have any draft capital. So these are all things that are going to add up and take a toll and it's only going to get worse. And we're going to criticize AK and Mark Eversley and these guys even more going forward because there just doesn't appear to be a way out of what they're creating. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And one of the ways that I've kind of been trying to think about it recently is like the Bulls are kind of already in a rebuild. They just don't really know it yet. And I think that's been a term that has been thrown around a little bit. But I mean, if you think about it this way, they're just a rebuilding team that does not prioritize draft capital. And that's like kind of Horrible. an insane concept. Horrible. Um, yeah, I mean, because, well, look, they don't have the, they don't have the start. I mean, it's one thing to say they're in a rebuild without knowing it, but Kobe White is not Damian Lillard, right? Uh, you know, Patrick Williams is not Jason Tatum, and so if they're banking on those two and Julian Phillips and Dalen Terry, like th that's not a rebuild. Those are complementary pieces. You need the star player to build around, and they are not giving themselves to get that a chance to, to get that star. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's the opportunities and, you know, dating back to when you and I were working together at the athletic, when we first met, like that was the, the criticism then too, is like, you weren't really going all in on this rebuild. And if you're cutting corners and taking shortcuts, it's not going to work. And it's hard enough to make it work when you are doing it right. But, you know, you look at teams like the Oklahoma city thunder who prioritize draft capital, who prioritize getting young players with upside in trades that kind of sets them up to where now they have, a bunch of moves that they can make and they're playing from a position of power where the bulls are letting their their valuable uh, assets bleed value and they aren't acting when they can and when they should in order to maximize return and they're just kind of waiting and seeing but like i i do think i guess like the the rationale that i'm trying to watch through the rest of the season with is like obviously it's more about the young players right and i think you you said it right there I'm not necessarily sure Kobe is going to be Damian Lillard or a franchise player on a championship caliber team, but he's a good young player. I, I think the same is true for Io. They've really developed. I know you're high on uh, Dale and Terry and Julian Phillips and some of the progress that they can make. Maybe not going to be like, you know, starters on championship teams, but hopefully they can get to a point where they're really contributing. And through all the injuries, um, you know, they, they have a chance now to start to get more minutes and more usage. So it's like this team is kind of starting to gear towards a rebuild anyway. And I don't know. I think you sat through the the previous rebuild long enough to know that like those games are brutal. It's hard to find meeting in an 82 game season when you're not trying to win games. Do you feel like, you know, playing alongside DeMar in games where the team is at least trying to win, is that building habits for Kobe and for Io and for Julian and for Dalen? that they can take with them? Or is that just kind of wishful thinking on my part at this point in what seems to be a pretty lost season? No, I think this is a great experience for Kobe and Io. Um, it's a shame that Patrick Williams got injured because it would be great experience for him as well. 
Um, and and especially guys, the young young guys like Dalen Terry and Dalen Terry and Julian Phillips. Um, but let me just go back to one thing, Will, about management and and my conversation with the high ranking Bulls executive. Sure. The Bulls feel like, and I know a lot of fans actually agree with this. Um, probably your passionate, you know, viewers and, and and audience with CHGO, and I know some readers at the Athletic as well. There is a very real concern from the front office of the Bulls that even if you rebuild, even if you blow it up, there is no guarantee that that is going to be effective. And let's say they get a top, another top five draft pick. It could be someone like Patrick Williams or, you know, worse as a prospect. And then there is a ton of heat on them. Uh, and that's not necessarily why they aren't willing to do it, but the the fact that there is no guarantee. I just want to stress that that was really stressed to me uh, in this conversation. I don't agree with that either because that seems to me to be operating from a fear mindset as opposed to trusting your staff, trusting your uh, processes and, and, and making sure that you get it right and trusting yourself and, and your organization. But, um, you know, if, if you're putting all of those resources and efforts, time and energy into scouting and uh, pre-draft process, then you should feel comfortable if you get a top five, top seven pick that you're going to come out, come away with a good player, uh, as opposed to having a fear mindset and saying, oh, well, just because we blow it up doesn't mean we're going to get it right. I, I don't, necessarily agree with that logic again i'm not in their seats but that is important and i know a lot of fans do feel that they would rather compete and try to contend now as opposed to blowing it up and taking a different approach so take that for but what then but then what is the other approach because like this what well, i think what we're witnessing right now is not really an approach at all it's just like exist until an opportunity comes that we can't say no to and i think the, the one I kind of go back to as an example is DeMar. They obviously made a huge move for Vooch uh, at the trade deadline three years ago. And I mean, despite what AK said last year after the season, like I don't think that worked out particularly well in the sense that it led them to competing at a high level. Um, but I don't think, you know, th they kind of had conversations about Lonzo and trying to trade for him. And then were able to pull that off at free agency. But I don't think they ever really kind of thought DeMar was going to be falling into their laps the way that he did. And they were opportunistic. They got on uh, that opportunity as soon as they could. And that kind of set them on another course. But to me, like that's the, that's the exception, not the rule. And so when you're kind of building an infrastructure, obviously you want to be able to put yourself in a position to absorb those kind of players when they become available. But right now they're so capped out that they can't do that. They can't bring in anybody via free agency. They don't have draft picks to be able to, you know, take multiple bites of the apple. We talked about the thunder. Like, you know, if you, even if you don't believe that it's easy to land a star in the top five of the draft, which I think a lot of people around the league would disagree with. If you have more opportunities than just one a year, you, you multiply your chances of being able to find that guy by, you know, one per, for each additional pick and you give yourself more chances to fail and each chance is like less meaningful because you have more opportunities. And so to me, it's like, okay, well then what's the alternative? Because, you know, going back to this question about like, how much are we really seeing Kobe progress right now? For example, um, I, I do, I do think that these, 
minutes are meaningful for him. I do think this experience is meaningful for him, but it's not going to turn him into necessarily the best player on a championship team. And they're also not finding other ways to help put a guy like that around Kobe to where, you know, Kobe can kind of slot into a role that's more comfortable for him. So I don't know. I think, I do think this is a valuable time for Kobe. And I think it's better than what we saw with Zach, you know, during the boiling years and Fred Hoiberg of him just like kind of running around and scoring as much as he could and shooting a ton of threes and trying to, to like put up numbers. Um, I, I think that kind of built some bad habits, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be like that much of a difference to where all of a sudden now Kobe is able to turn into a super duper a one star that, that you kind of need in order to succeed at this level. Yeah. These minutes aren't going to turn Kobe into Shea Gilgis Alexander. It's just not, I mean, so yeah, it's great experience and you love to see Kobe, you know, there's that game at Cleveland. He had that late turnover to Vooch. Um, he had a, Tough shooting night at New Orleans last night, was able to overcome that and, and still help the team get the win. So these are all great experiences for him that will help him become better. Um, but, I mean, you're either that guy or you're not. And and Kobe is showing a great improvement, but but he's not, you know, that top-tier guard in this league yet. And, you know, that's part of the alternative, Will. They have to still wait for him to develop if, they're, if that's the plan. So – you know, you're either waiting for development from a, a rookie or you're waiting for these guys like Patrick Williams and, and Kobe White in their fourth and fifth seasons to continue to develop. And either way, uh, it's a waiting game that is not paying, paying off right now for the Bulls. Do you feel like there's anything that, you know, during the, the rest of the season that can kind of help it pay off a little bit more? Or do you feel like this just is what it is and now they're going to have to, you know, face the music at some point down the road? No, I mean, I think we're seeing it, and it's probably as good as it's going to get with Kobe and Io and um, Dalen and J Julian. I mean, we saw we saw Terry Taylor <laughs> get in the game uh, against the Pelicans last night. So, you know, those guys, Alex Caruso said it to us the other day at practice, Will. I mean, no, it's time for those guys to step up, and these last 20-some-odd games, that's what I think this season is about now. You want to see how much more – Kobe can develop. You want to see how much better Io can get. Uh, and, and just any experience whatsoever Julian and Dalen can get, I think, is a plus and a positive at this point in the season. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about uh, just finding some successes the rest of the way, what defines success, what defines failure. Uh, but first, another quick break for our sponsors. Um, first up is Ray, Chevy, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. Because if you are in the market for a new vehicle, look no further than Ray, Chevy, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Fox Lake. They're celebrating President's Day sales all month long. And you know what that means. You'll be able to shop presidential savings on their wide selection of inventory. For a limited time, get 20% off MSRP on all remaining new 2023 Jeep Gladiator models with the dealer discount. They're number one for new vehicle quality among midsize trucks, says JD Power & Associates. And that's not all. Last uh, shop their last call on select Dodge Challenger and Charger models. Dodge is the most powerful muscle car brand, so you don't want to miss out on their last call with over 20 Dodge muscle cars to choose from. At Ray, Ray CDJR, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicago's best inventory and drive home with more money in your pocket thanks to the Ray Price Promise. And that's not all. Just for listening, you can get a free oil change when you mention, mention CHGO at the service center or CHGO when you book online at raycdjr/service. 
So if you're in the market for a new vehicle, then you have to check out our friends at Ray Chrysler Dodge Sheep and Ram because they're the only team we recommend. Visit them today on Route 12 in Fox Lake. For more information, visit Ray CDJR in Fox Lake or RayCDJR.com, serving the community since 1963. And once you've saved all that money on your new Dodge, you can maybe go put it into a Circus Sportsbook account and make some bets because they have the tightest money line splits and the lowest hold model of any sports book on the market. They strive to hit those minus 110 splits on the Circus Sports menu, unlike other sports books, which rely on the minus 115 or minus 120 splits. And they keep as little money as possible on large market bets like futures and golf tournaments compared to other books. They also have high app limits and transparency. Circa does not allow limits based on winnings. Every player has the same limits, unlike other books who limit winning players. So if you're a winner, check them out. They also even encourage other bettors to explore other apps uh, to try to find the best lines available. And they are confident that they will have the best one. And they also have the best service. The people who run the service desk there are the real people at the sports uh, Circa Sports brand who resolve issues in a timely fashion unlike other books who use chatbots. All aspects of the app are being run by the same team that runs the main Circa Sportsbook at the Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, who graciously hosted us during Summer League last year. They have the amazing pool deck. Darnell, I think you uh, joined us up there for at least a little bit. Uh, but download the Circa Sports Illinois app at circasports.com slash Illinois-app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties at tailgates. If you or someone you know has a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER, text GAMPT to 833-234, or visit areyoureallywinning.com. All right, Darnell, um, what do you think defines success for the Bulls the rest of the way? Because you know we asked AK a million different ways, a million different times, what competitive means. What does uh, remaining competitive mean to you? And, and what do you think, I guess we'll do it two ways. In your mind, what, what do you think will define success for this group? And in AK's mind, what do you think he will define success as for this group? Um, well, it's a deep breath is, question. <laughs> my mind is very different than AK's mind. Um, but I think AK wants to just see continued competitiveness, um, wants to be in every game. Um, and for me, they need to win some of these clutch games. Uh, it was a good step forward, I thought, in New Orleans for them last night, uh, pulling that one out. Even though the Pelicans were shorthanded, the Bulls obviously are, are as well. Um, but to pull that one out late, DeMar hitting that huge three. I loved your tweet, Will. Like, you know, what is happening? You know, DeMar what hitting What are that. we watching? The, like, yeah. the fact that Vooch, like, turned the ball over and then Valentinus turned it back over immediately. It's like, this is not real basketball that we're watching right now. So things like that, you know, being a little bit more effective in, in, in closing time, uh, I think would be a good step forward for this Bulls team. The development of the young guys, uh, I think, is a very pivotal um, development point for uh, this team right now. Um, but other than that, man, I mean, if they get into the the, the postseason, if they can uh, f figure, figure out a way to, to – string together some wins and get the seventh or eighth seed. I mean, I think that's going to be success. And it's easy for us to kind of like look at it and say, where, where is it leading? But when you don't have Lonzo, you don't have Zach, you don't have Patrick Williams. Uh, Torrey Craig's been in and out of the lineup. Other guys have been in and out of the lineup. I mean, this has been a very resilient season for the Bulls. And I don't want to take anything away from the players uh, because, again, well, they have played their hearts out this season, hasn't always been pretty, 
Uh, but th this is a resilient group that uh, plays very hard every night um, and is now trying to play the right way and together. And, and so I give them credit for that. And if they can continue to do that throughout the remainder of the season, I think that's going to be a success. Do you feel like the front office takes issue with our kind of criticisms of the group and, and where we think things are heading? Or do you feel like they recognize or at least appreciate the perspective? Uh, I don't know if they appreciate it, but I don't think they take uh, offense to it, uh, our criticism. But I do think that, and this is what I was going to say earlier, my takeaway from the AK press conference after the deadline is that he really likes these guys. He really likes this team that he put together. I wrote it after the deadline. He talks about them like a fan as opposed to an executive, um, calling Vooch a double-double machine and 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 DeMar the closer and saying Patrick Williams was on a tear averaging 14 points in December. It's like, you're the executive, bro, not – you know, some proud father. And so the fact that we don't see it the same, I, I do think that uh, the front office is confused on why we aren't sharing in their uh, assessment of the players that they put together. Yeah. I, my immediate takeaway from the press conference after the kind of shock factor wore off was like, I think AK might've been a little bit surprised that everybody was so like, critical of the the goal to be competitive like i he think got he, on there smiling will he got he was, on the zoom smiling and i'm like what are you chuckling what are you what are you grinning at what are you smirking at like i think from his perspective it was like well we're you know 21 and 15 over our last however many games and we're playing well despite the fact that you know one of our best players has been out this whole year and patrick williams has been on the tear in december averaging 14 points per game which i think is just one of the funniest lines uh but so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I felt like he might've been a little bit kind of surprised and shocked by that. So I just, yeah, I, cause to me, like when you talk about success and failure, like I said this before the season and I think it's maybe changed a little bit, but not, not all that much. Um, like getting to the second round was going to be a successful year because in order for that to happen, there was going to have to be some sort of breakthrough with Zach, Tamar and Vooch playing well together, which had not happened over the previous couple of years. Obviously, that has changed in the sense that Zach has been out. But now, to me, it's like if they can get to that point or even just like, you know, Kobe have some real moments that prove that he can be like a franchise cornerstone um, in a real playoff series. Like, I think that would be success within the parameters of like what we're looking at and probably, you know, in AK's perspective. To me, like, I think he'll find a way to spin a positive out of whatever happens. And so I'm not really sure that like there is a definition of success or failure to him. Because if you look at like, you know, the previous, however long, like he'll find the 14 and nines after the all-star break, he'll find, you know, the Patrick was on a tear. Like there's just, there's all these things that he can point to. And it's like, yeah, they played well, but like that shouldn't be the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal should be to compete for a title or to compete for a conference final appearance. And um, yeah, I just, I, that, that part of it is a little bit concerning that, maybe, you know, he's just not willing to necessarily see the, or I guess he's not taking the right things away from what we are seeing. And so that was kind of my question is like, is, is that even like kind of registering that what, what he's seeing could be different than what everybody else is seeing? No, I mean, he said it himself. He's seeing what we're seeing. Remember he said that 
So I don't agree with it. I don't, I don't see it that same way, but um, listen, well, the only thing I can add from here on AK is that the man just wants to keep his job. Fair enough. I want to keep mine too. It's hard to blame him there. Um, let's, uh, let's pivot to uh, free agency. Cause I think that's another big one. Just like real quick. Um, you kind of touched on it in your mailbag, but um, do you have any thoughts about like, what's going to happen with like, I think Damar and Patrick in particular, this off season, I think Zach is going to have to come back and kind of prove that he's healthy and probably knock another year off of his contract before teams are really starting to kick the tires on him again. But Damar, they've got to make a decision about Patrick, who obviously is going to be out for the season. Do you have any kind of guesses or takes about where you think those free agencies are headed? Yeah, my guess is that Patrick, uh, I'm sorry, Damar will resign uh, with the Bulls. I just don't see a, a very robust market out there for him, uh, especially, you know, fits in terms of on court and with the finances. So um, I think it makes the most sense for Demar to resign here, probably get the most money here and the most opportunity here. Uh, and the Bulls want him here. So um, I think both parties want to continue this this partnership. So uh, I see that happening. The, the question is obviously what what the contract will be. And, and that's going to be interesting to see. And the same thing for Patrick Williams. Um, you know, I don't think they want to give up on him yet. My guess is they resign him um, probably won't let it get to ref, um, a, an offer sheet in restricted free agency. Um, we just saw that I'm having a, a, a brain freeze. We just saw that, I think with Kobe um, where they, they put it out there and, and didn't let you know, someone else. Yeah. They, I think they signed something before he was even able to. Yeah. So I think that's what we're going to see with, with Patrick as well. Um, unless a team just really loves Patrick Williams and, and comes and blows him away with an offer that he can't turn down. So um, with both of them, Will, I just think it's a matter of what the, the dollar amount is. And for DeMar, how many years on the contract? I'm a little nervous about Pat's foot. Obviously, like being out for the season and having to have surgery is a big deal. Um, but Jeff Stotts, who is at in Street Coles on Twitter, he covers the league from an injuries perspective. And he wrote kind of a breakdown of the surgery that Pat is having. Um and, you know, he said that there's multiple players who have had this kind of thing and it's always season ending guys like Embiid, Yao Ming, Ilgauskas underwent multiple surgeries following their initial surgery. And TJ Warren missed nearly two years recovering from his navicular stress fracture. Um, like, I don't know, man, I think this is a little bit concerning from, from the standpoint of Patrick's like longer term, like viability. And I wonder, you know, how much this is really going to affect him. Obviously, we're going to find out more when the surgery is done. I believe the date is March 6th, but um, yeah, I would be concerned if I was in the front office, maybe this is an opportunity for them to get him a little bit cheaper, but just this, I don't know that we can necessarily bank on him coming back and being hundred um, percent immediately starting next season. And maybe that's true. Maybe it's not, but there are, there are cases of guys who um, have really struggled to get healthy after this. So that obviously is going to be a factor in there as well. Um, let's uh, take one more quick break, final one, and then just can answer some some more fun questions. And uh, as we finish out the show, uh, but let's talk about Game Time Sports Game Time app. Uh, what am I calling this? Game Time app. Um, I don't know why I have written it down as as sportsbook in my notes here, but 
As you guys know, game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all of your sporting events, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer last minute deals, all in prices you can have views from your seat and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. They have last minute ticket flash deals and zone deals. It's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Like I said, they can show you views from the seat in venue. So when you click on a ticket in the app, it'll show you what your view will look like. And they have the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, and job loss prevention. Game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets, and it takes the guesswork out of buying tickets to the game. So download the game time app, create an account, and use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an code. Uh, create an account and redeem the code CHGO for $20 off game time app download today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And we also want to tell you guys about being a CHGO diehard subscriber. We have a lot of great paywalled content that you can access as a subscriber. We have uh, discounting uh, for special events like last night. There was a takeover at Chris Chelios night for the Blackhawks. And we also have an awesome CHGO Discord where fans can interact with us. Uh, Mark K has been in there. I've been in there answering questions. And we are going to start doing a new thing with our diehard subscribers uh, where, you know, if we have a special guest like Darnell on the show, we're going to take a question from one of our diehards to talk about. So from AJ, it's Baseball Kid on Discord. Um, Darnell, I think one of the one of the questions that uh, people are not yet asking about this team and where it's headed is the long-term future of Alex Caruso with this team. So AJ asks, given that there's so much hesitancy to trade him by the front office, is it possible that they would want to lock him up for the next five-ish years and build around him defensively? Um, I thought that was a really good question because it's not really something that I'm thinking about because he still has another year on his deal but he clearly is a favorite of the front office. He's on a great contract now, um, but he's 30 years old and he's injury prone. Do you feel like that's a, a viable thing for the front office to consider? Do you think that they'll at, at a certain point have to explore trades for him this off season? Yeah, I think it's a great question by AJ. Uh, I agree with you, Will. Um, I think that they would love to re-sign Alex Caruso. I do believe Alex Caruso would like to explore his options after what he's experienced here. Um, you know, he's out there going out there now playing his heart out for a team that, you know, is really not going anywhere. And you got to give Alex Caruso a lot of credit. Um, he is, Billy Donovan said it after the game last night. I mean, it's guys like him and DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic who are helping this team to withstand all of these injuries that it's is run up up against this season. So um, whenever you have Alex Caruso and DeMar DeRozan on the floor, those are the types of guys that you feel like you always have a chance with. So from that standpoint, you, the, you would expect the front office would want to re-sign him, but Alex Caruso is a winning player. Uh, he wants to compete for championships and play at a high level. And so I, my guess is, or my question is whether or not Alex Caruso wants to re-sign here. Yeah, I think that's the big one because, you know, they obviously had a chance to trade him at this deadline with two playoff runs left on his contract. I think the way that the, you know, collective bargaining agreement is making uh, player contracts so much more of a priority in terms of getting in cheap contributors, like he is a value deal that every team in the league is going to be looking at. But 
if they're <clears throat> if they're unwilling to move him, um, they better be ready to re-sign him. And I'm curious to see what he will command on the open market uh, if it gets to that point, whether they'll try to extend him. But if, I agree with you. Like if I'm him, I'm looking at other options because the long-term potential of this group, like becoming a true champion. I mean, again, Damar is 35 and you're going to re-sign him on a two or three year deal probably. Um, is, is this team a championship contender from Damar's age 35, 36, 37 season? Um, because if not, then what are you signing up for? Um, because he's not going to like be LeBron playing at this level when he's four years old. So um, I think that's a really good question. I think that's certainly something that we will have to keep an eye on starting the summer. As I said, this, this whole thing is going to come to a head here in this off season. And I think a lot of tough decisions are going to have to be made, but that of course will require tough decisions to be made, which we have not seen yet. So um, thank you for that question, AJ from uh, our diehard, diehard subscriber discord. Um, if you want to join that, you can check out lchgo.com to get more details on becoming a diehard. Um, we only got a couple of minutes here, Darnell. So let's just wrap up with like some kind of other more interesting stuff. Uh, what's kind of been one of the things that you've enjoyed about covering the team this season? Any like kind of fun or funny stories you want to share about just being on the beat, whether it's on the road, any maybe interactions with players that you've had um, just to kind of give some of our guys, our, our fans here, uh, a little bit of an inside look into what you and I live on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, from a basketball standpoint, I'll just say that it's been a joy to watch Kobe White's emergence. It's been a joy to watch Ayo Desumu, uh continue to develop. Um, but just behind the scenes stuff, I mean, this is a great group, this is a great group to uh, cover. Uh, most guys are, uh, I think all of the guys are just really respectful young men, um, very uh, professional young men. Um, and, and I'm reminded a lot of times how young they actually are. Um, and, and just some of the funny things that happened. We were in, uh, Cleveland and Memphis, uh, and they, they have, they have chicken wings. They had chicken wings after the game in both in the locker room, both places. And just going up to DeMar and talking to him about who's got the best chicken wings in the league and, you know, talking about Cleveland, Indiana, and Memphis and, getting to know guys' preferences and, and tastes and things like that uh, on a personal level. And we were, I think, in Memphis as well. And Vooch got really excited about a Gatorade, like a Gatorade Frost. Like he got like a little kid, look, like chicken nuggets or something. And I couldn't believe it, um, uh, how excited a, a guy who makes $20 million got about like just a, a regular Gatorade. He's like, ooh. And um so things like that, where you see the human side of these guys, uh, it always uh, is 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 fun to see. Um, but but on the court, I just I just like the development of the young guys, and it's always fun watching Demar and, and Alex Caruso uh, do what they do best as well. Yeah, I think that that's a great way to put it. Like there was a play last night where Demar was kind of posting up. I can't remember if it was the first or second half, but he had like kind of a step back, like he was gonna do like a post fade and. I mean, it was clearly thought out before it happened because immediately once he did a step back and he went into a pump fake, got a bite, and then went back in, uh, did kind of like an up and under. And it's just, it's plays like that where it's just like, my God, this guy is just so crafty and skilled and just such an expert, knows what's going to happen before it happens. And you think you know how you're going to defend him because you think you know it's going to be a pump fake and it's going to be a jumper. 
but he just beats you with it anyway. Um, but for me, it's been just like hanging out and talking ball with, you know, people in the locker room or the other media members in the media workroom and just kind of trying to figure out what's been going on with this team. I think a lot of us are just as confused and um, looking for answers as everybody else. But uh, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun to hang out and get to know everybody a little bit better this year. So um, yeah, I guess that'll be my uh, area for success for the rest of the way is just trying to make the best of this, you know, this season and hopefully find some meaning in these games. But uh, Darnell, it was fantastic talking with you. I really appreciate you taking some time. Um, tremendous insight, tremendous writer, tremendous beat reporter. Um, everybody I know is already probably following you, but um, if you aren't already, Darnell, can you just tell people where to follow you and, and maybe feel free to share a little bit about Money Talks? Yeah, I'm on all the social media sites at Darnell Mayberry, X, Instagram, Facebook, all of those. Uh, and Money Talks 101.substack.com is my independent project that I write for me and my 10-year-old daughter, Parker, about financial literacy and getting smarter with money. So I write two columns a week over there and an occasional podcast with my daughter because all of this stuff is fun to talk about. But you know, actually, when it comes to earning and spending and saving and investing, I mean, that's what really moves the needle in our lives and helps us to leave a better legacy for our family. So I'm writing a lot of subjects about money management and personal finance over there. And what's uh, just been kind of any uh, big takeaways from that that process for you as far as like, you know, what you've learned and, and what it's been like dipping into a, a new area and trying to become an expert in it? Yeah, for sure. It starts off intimidating, but it definitely gets easier. Uh, the more you practice, the more you pay attention, the more you read, research and and put time into it. And so it's gotten easier for me to understand money uh, in ways that I have never understood it before. And I've been able to teach my daughter and uh, help her to have a better foundation than I had. And so uh, she'll be able to have a, a brighter future and not have to worry about living paycheck to paycheck or uh, stressing about bills or giving up her time for a job and not being able to spend time with her family. So so it's just gotten a lot easier as I've dedicated myself to it. And that's the biggest takeaway. It's been awesome talking with you about it. It's just the amount of um, passion you have for it is very inspiring. And so I highly encourage people to go check it out. Moneytalks101.substack.com. Is that right? That's it. That's it. And you are Darnell Mayberry at Darnell, Darnell Mayberry on Twitter. Uh, check him out, follow along, and thank you again, Darnell, for joining. Uh, thanks for Joey, who's been pushing the buttons behind the scenes and helping us out with everything. Uh, until next time, we will have pregame for you all tomorrow ahead of the game against the Pistons. I'll be checking in from the United Center. So until then, thank you all for joining us, and we will talk to you again next time. We all like the mayor. 